Well, this morning we are continuing a series, but also we're starting a series. It's this weird little thing. So go with me for a second. So last Sunday we celebrated Easter and uh, the title of the message last week was unbelievable. And we talked about this idea that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was this unbelievable event. Now, before some of you think I'm a heretic, when I use the term unbelievable, I don't mean untruthful. I just mean it's unbelievable in the standpoint of it's one of those moments that it, it is so out there that it has to be true, there has to be something greater. We can't, we can't fully logically explain it other than the fact that God did something. And last week, if you want to go online and check it out, uh, our message was all about this idea that maybe the unbelievable event of the resurrection, when we start looking at it through the lens of evidence and logic, maybe it's actually more believable. And that maybe the most unbelievable part of the whole story is just the fact that a loving God who is holy, who is perfect and faithful, would long to be with an imperfect people like us. This unbelievable love that seems too good to be true, that is so real, it is so tangible, and we saw it in the person of Jesus, is this amazing gift for us. But all of us have been a part of unbelievable moments, right? Maybe we uh, saw a, a shot go in that it didn't make sense. Physics does not make sense. We saw a field goal that went far right at the last second. I'll never forget, when I was about 11 or 12 years old, I thought it was unbelievable that coffee creamer could make a huge flame. Let me just tell you all what, uh, singed hair told me that that was really true. That was very real. We've all experienced moments where we thought something just seemed so out there, but when we experienced it ourselves, we were never the same. We were changed forever. This morning, we're kicking off a series, it's, it's, it's piggybacking off Easter, called Unbelievable. The story of the early church. And we're going to be picking up where we kind of left off with Jesus' uh, resurrection. And we're going to be primarily looking in the book of Acts. Now, Acts is, is, is part two uh, of a series of two books written by a man named Luke. Now, this is going to shock you guys. Luke was actually the author of guess which gospel? Gospel of Matthew, guys. Come on. I'm just kidding. It was the gospel of Luke. I got at least two of you on that. I know I did. Yeah, he was the, he was the author of the Gospel of Luke. And then his second, his, his, his sequel, his, his best-selling sequel is known as Acts. Now Luke was a doctor, and most people believe he was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. Now, if he's a doctor, he's smart, detail-oriented. If he was Paul, the man saw some unbelievable stuff. He experienced some amazing things. And so when he wrote this second act of things, he sort of wrote this history that we have of the early church, of the apostles. Now, uh, some people are like, apostle, disciple, what does that mean? You know, there's lots of nuanced difference, but when I use the term apostles, what I want you to think of is that we are all disciples. And oftentimes we use the term disciple as like the 12. And then we get confused because sometimes it says the 12 and sometimes it says disciples. Apostles were these idea of these people who were sent ones. And so the apostles were these 12 that Jesus spent most of his uh, ministry with, pouring into. And so this book is oftentimes referred to as the Acts of the Apostles because it follows a lot of their journeys after Jesus in the beginning, this founding of the church. And this morning I'm excited because we're going to look at a crazy, unbelievable moment known as Pentecost. Now, before we dive into Scripture, before we talk more about that, what I'm going to ask you to do, as always, is let's check some baggage at the door, okay? 
There are things this morning that as we come to this, I always think it's really important, really good to come to the text in a fresh way. And I know that's difficult, but let's be honest. We have a lot of baggage. We have a lot of preconceived notions. When I say Pentecost, some of y'all think like I'm about to get out of hanky and start like dancing up here, dancing through the aisles. If I say Holy Spirit, some of y'all are like, man, he's talking about ghost stories. This is weird. Let's check some stuff for a moment. If we have some like, ooh, I don't like this. This feels uneasy. Let's check it for a moment and set it aside. And we're going to go to the text and see what it has to say. And we're going to dive in there. So if you have a Bible this morning, you can open up to Acts chapter 1, uh, starting in verse, uh, what is it going to be? Starting in verse 3. Um, and, uh, ah, man, this is such a cool part of this story. So he, he begins it by telling us just the fact that, hey, this is my second book, all that. And this is where it continues on. It says, after suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs. This is Jesus, that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised you, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, it then continues on, and it tells us, and they were gathered around, and they said, Lord, are you at this time really going to to, to bring back the kingdom of Israel? They were getting confused again. The disciples, the the apostles, they were confused often. They thought, sweet, it's finally going to happen. We're going to set up camp. We're going to be in power again. And he says, no, 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 This is not for a time or date for you to know yet. Uh, I've been sent by more authority. But then he goes on, and he just tells them that they will be the voices who will go on out And they will spread the good news of Jesus all around the region, beyond Jerusalem. But they have to wait first. Now, this morning, I think it's important for us to to, to get some handles on some things. Because the vast majority of this series, we're going to be trying to explore this idea of the, the unbelievable kind of birth and story of the early church has so much to do with the Holy Spirit. In fact, some scholars would argue that it would maybe almost be better to call the book of Acts the Acts of the Spirit. Because even though you have these different apostles in there, there's this reality that the the, the continuity of all of them, the continuity of the unbelievable things that happen through them is the Spirit. And so we got to start with a foundation, an understanding of who is God. Now, maybe you've heard some church words before like Trinity, and you're like, I don't even know what that means. So Trinity just means uh, God three in one. And so we as a church would take kind of the historical church uh, view, theology of God, that God is three persons in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe that obviously there is God the Father, the Creator at the beginning. We believe that Jesus is, is the incarnated. He's, he's God come in flesh and bone. And then that the Spirit is this really, really cool person as well, but who's been around for a long time. So let's just get this straight though. The Spirit is a person and not merely just a force. Now, If you want to nerd out with me for just a second, we find that if you go to the very first book of the Bible, the very first page in Genesis, that the spirit is there at the very beginning, that it's hovering over this 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 formless area and it's part of creation. And we know that all of the Trinity is there. In the Gospel of John, we find that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was Jesus. And so we know that the, 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 the Trinity is not something that like at the last second, the, like the father and son got together and be like, we need to get this thing in here. Or, or, or the father and the spirit was like, ooh, we need to create this son. 
They've all been together from the beginning. Now, there are lots of ways to try to fully understand this idea of Trinity. And, you know, some people will talk about like an egg, like one of them's the shell, one of them's the yolk, and one of them's the white stuff. Or some will say it's like H2O, where, you know, you have a solid, you have a gas, and you have a liquid. And all of those are interesting, and all of those are great little tools of references. But let me just tell you something that's kind of fun. You can't fully understand the complexities of who God is. So many of us, if we would love this idea if we could like put God, not maybe in a box, but maybe in a cup of coffee where we can just put him in there and we fully understand and we get that. But there's this reality that I don't know about you, but I kind of enjoy the fact that we serve a God who I can't fully understand. I can't comprehend. I can't manipulate him. And that's who our God is. But it is important to understand this idea that, 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 that all of these aspects, the Father, Son, and Spirit, yes, they are the one true God, but they're expressed in three different persons. Now, again, what's interesting about the Spirit is that the Spirit, uh, when it's used in the Old Testament, oftentimes is used uh, with this, this Hebrew word, which I'm not smart enough to know Hebrew. I just read other smart people. But this Hebrew word, raka. Try to say that real quick. Just say it, raka. It's kind of fun. You kind of clear your throat. You feel smart. You feel like, ah. And raka can just be described as this invisible, powerful energy necessary for making life, which is just fitting for this idea of the spirit of God. We see in the creation, too, that when God creates man and he creates him in his image, he, he breathes air. He breathes life into him. And oftentimes when we read in the Old Testament, when we see the Spirit of God doing different things, whether it is speaking through uh, the prophets, whether it's doing all sorts of things, we oftentimes see the presence of God, the Spirit of God, either in the form of fire or in some sort of wind or air. Now hold on to that little nugget because that's important. Now Jesus said a lot about the Holy Spirit. He actually said, get this, the Holy Spirit is better than him. It's greater than him. It's something you should pine for. Let me read a couple of verses from the Gospel of John for you in which Jesus gets super excited about this. And, and just as a little refresher, uh, oftentimes the Spirit will be known as the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the advocate, the comforter, um, the counselor. And this is what he says, though. He uses advocate a lot in the Gospel of John. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the, the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you, send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And lastly, but very true I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Boiled down in third grader form, which is what I usually need, is this. When we receive Jesus as Lord, we receive the greatest gift. We receive the Holy Spirit. We couldn't receive the Holy Spirit until Jesus left. And so that's one of those things why it's good news. The, the disciples this whole time were mad that Jesus was leaving because they, they had this sort of moment where it's like, oh, we get to live life rubbing shoulders with Jesus this whole time. So, of course, they don't want him to leave, even if they could understand the grand scheme of things. But here's the really cool good news about the Holy Spirit. Jesus was one man. One man. In fact, whom received the Holy Spirit himself upon his baptism. But can you imagine if... The only presence of God on earth today was just one man. That'd be really ineffective, be really difficult for us. Yet we find 
that with the Holy Spirit coming, it made a way for all of us to receive the Spirit of God, the presence of God, to live and dwell inside of us. And we're going to geek out and be excited about what all that means uh, in a moment. But let's get back to Acts, now that we got some handles on this idea of the Holy Spirit, that, that it's something that is so easy to understand in some ways, yet so complex, so mysterious, yet something we should deeply and desperately desire and want. Because like every good gift, you have to open something, right? If you don't open the gift, what's the point? Now, to give a little primer before we read into this uh, section that's known as Pentecost, Pentecost was a Jewish festival. In the same way, there, there are multiple big festivals that the Jewish people would have. Passover, many of us are familiar with. Passover was this big festival where you would celebrate God's redeeming of the Israelite people out of enslavement from Egypt. And how he passed over uh, during this, this night and, 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 and through the shedding of blood, he passed over the Israelites so that way they could have a way out. And so this is that, that, that's sort of their biggie. But one of the second big festivals they have was called Pentecost. Pentecost doesn't mean like speaking in tongues, doesn't mean all sorts of crazy. We, 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 we want to get into like Pentecostal and even that word has been kind of hijacked and used in a bad way. Um, but Pentecost really just means 50. And it means 50 days after Passover. So this festival, which would be a pilgrimage type of festival, and a pilgrimage festival meant that you would make some sort of traveling sort of place, you would go. What would happen is it would be 50 days after Passover, and it would also typically be kind of the beginning of the harvest time. And so what would happen is if you were a good Jew, a good Israelite people who believed in the one true God, when it came to Pentecost, you would make a pilgrimage, you would travel to the holy city of Jerusalem. Because you wanted to go to the temple and you would go to the temple and you would bring with you a, a, a sacrifice of the best of what you had of your first harvest, your crop. And so the whole idea really was that you would go there to one, thank God for how he provided already and two, say, please help us as we continue on. And so it's this crazy festival where there would have been people from all across the known world at that time, all in Jerusalem for this moment. Now mind you, this is, this is, this is about 10 days after Jesus leaves. Jesus hung out with the disciples post his resurrection, we believe, for about 40 days. So it's about 10 days after. And remember, they were told, just wait in Jerusalem, you'll know when the gift has came. So if you have a Bible, this is Acts chapter 2. If not, it's on the screen. It just says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to do. Now, let's pause there for just a second, a, a quick quick moment. We may end up uh, talking talk about the gift of speaking in tongues Later on, but in this moment, it's important to understand that they're not speaking some sort of other uh, worldly language. They're speaking actual languages of other people. I mean, we're talking about like the Holy Spirit bringing the Rosetta Stone up in this room. And this is what happens. It says, now they were staying in, in, in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews 
from every nation from under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Remember, again, it's not just random languages. This is real languages. This is strategic by the Spirit. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us hear our own native language? And I'm not even going to try to say all of these different ones because you would laugh and I tried to practice saying most of them, but you can see many different languages up there. And then they end by saying, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? All right, let's talk about this because this is crazy, right? Let's just be real. Like, this is crazy. So, the apostles, the 12, they are gathered in a room. They're, they are here in the city during this great festival that's going on. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're just praying, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes in. Now, again, imagery from the Old Testament. We see oftentimes that when something new would happen, for example, when when the Israelites were led out of enslavement to Egypt, eventually Moses went up onto this mountain and he, he, he received what we know now as the law or the Ten Commandments and he received them and there was fire when it came down. We, we've seen that when the temple was created, that fire came down from heaven. We've seen lots of times wind coming through in the Old Testament. All of these are to point us to this idea that this is of God. This isn't just some sort of crazy thing. They weren't smoking some wacky tobacco. They weren't, as some people later on would say, we're having a little bit too much wine early in the morning. We're to see that this is distinctly divine. This is a moment. This is the one true God. And we also see the significance of something great. That in the past, what the Israelites were given to live their life was they were given the law and they were said, here's the law, here's how to live holy, which just means set apart, and here's how you can live and try to make my kingdom come to earth right here. Try your best. As you can imagine, it epically failed. That's like asking your toddler to just put themselves to bed. It's not going to work, right? Even if you gave them an instruction, they're not going to do it. They're going to mess up. And so, in the goodness of God... This is a significant moment that is basically saying, hey, not all the law goes away, our morality doesn't go away, but I want you to know that in the past what I gave you was the law, and that's how you could figure out how to live. And then I brought you Jesus, and he showed you the way, he is the way, but now the Spirit has came, and this now will be your teacher. It'll be your counselor, it'll be your comforter, it will teach you how to live. Man, this is good news, because this means that no longer... Do we have to measure up to something? No longer do we have to try to, uh, you know, jump through a bunch of hoops. But in reality now, we don't just have a, a list of rules of how to live. We have the Spirit of God that lives with us and in us. And that's really good news. Now, this is distinctly important in this whole experience because what ends up happening, and we're going to read the last bit of the story at the end, is what it does is it gives an opportunity for the good news of Jesus to spread faster than it ever could. It's not like in this time and age that they could just post something, go live on Facebook, do a live unboxing or something like that. Uh, like, oh, here, let's unbox the Holy Spirit so everyone can see live. Can we just talk for a minute? No offense. If I offend anyone, I apologize. But 
Man, the live unboxings are really interesting because I see like ladies who unbox little things and people are watching live. But then it's weird because then I'll look at my toddler who's like watching kids open toys. We live in a weird, weird and wild time, don't we? Like people just like to watch other people do stuff. It's really kind of interesting. Anyways, I digress. Uh, what happens though is because all of these apostles have the opportunity, they're enabled by the Spirit to speak and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in tons of different languages. It means that all of these people who come and will hear the good news of Jesus are going to have the opportunity to go back to their homelands and begin to spread the good news of Jesus Christ in their own native language, in their own language tongue. And they will leave not as people who are carrying information about a God, but they'll leave as people who encountered the good news of Jesus Christ. That's powerful because it's not just a belief. It is, it is this belonging that they get to come into right away. Now, this is significant in good news, too, because, again, it is this shift that things are changing. You see, what, what's amazing that we begin to find is just this, and this is cool stuff for all of us, is that it used to be that you would go to the temple. The temple was the holy place where you would go and experience the presence of God. And we know that when we read in the Gospels how the veil is torn, that no, the, the temple is torn down. But in this, we find out that we used to go to the temple to experience the presence of God. But after the resurrection in Pentecost, you are the temple, and the presence of God is present inside of you. Isn't that just mind-blowing? Like the Spirit of God is not like he's just off doing like cool stuff with, with cool people and all that. That he literally lives inside of you when you accept Jesus Christ. That he empowers you. Not that you can all of a sudden be like, I have powers. But it's pretty wild to think about the God of all the universe was so smart and loved us so much and so desperately wanted us to be able to make it in this world, that he sends this to us. We find this out uh, in, in 1 Corinthians. Paul reminds us of us multiple times. Whenever in a book you find the same thing said twice in two different places, he just said, that's important. Uh, Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in the midst of you? Do you not know that the body, that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. My friends, what does all this mean? It means that this unbelievable gift of the Holy Spirit isn't just for some people. It is for all people. This gift of the Holy Spirit isn't just something that that, that, that can be manipulated. isn't just something uh, that can be coerced. But it is something that is so powerful that it comes and works in and through us. And it begins to work out this thing called holiness inside of us. It begins to make us better. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says this. He says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Now, that's really amazing. Did you, did you pick up on that? This is why the Holy Spirit is important, is significant, is that he says that you will do greater things than me. Now, some scholars will point and say, oh, he was just talking to the apostles. I don't think so. I think that truly when Jesus said these words, when he he began to promise and tell us about the Holy Spirit, that what he was trying to tell us is that you and me, everyday people, people who are broken, people who who aren't famous, who don't know, aren't the smartest people in the world, at least I'm not, you will be able to do unbelievable, amazing things greater than I if you have faith, if you trust in me, and if you seek the Holy Spirit. Not trying to do things on your own, 
but trying to do things based off what the Spirit is prompting and leading. In Luke 11, Jesus says this. He's talking about the goodness of a father. Because again, so many of us maybe have some baggage with God and who he is. And this idea that a God would love us, that a God would want to use us, that a God would even want to be in relationship with us. And he's talking about gifts. And he just says this. Which of your fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, though you are evil, which he's basically saying, listen, if you're not that great, if you're not perfect, and I am, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Friends, as we're going to be at the beginning of this series, as we are going to be diving into just what it looks like to live this unbelievable, spirit-filled life, let me just say this to you. Let me proclaim this as a promise to you, that unbelievable things can still happen today if we seek the Spirit. That if we truly would ask the Lord, because here's the reality. I, I believe that some of us have tried to proclaim Jesus as Lord, yet we haven't let him have any of our life. It's like we've invited him to come live with us, but we changed the locks and didn't give him a key. And the reality is, is if we would be bold and dare to say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I truly want to come under your authority. I don't just want you to make me feel good. I don't want to just uh, have, 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 have a little spot someday so that way I don't have to go to hell. But I, I want to be the Lord of your, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you and your kingdom. And yes, I want to spend eternity with you, but it's because I love you and I want to serve you. Some of us this morning, maybe for the first time, could seek the Lord and say, Lord, I want the spirit of you to dwell inside of me, to transform me, to begin to make me in the image of your son, Jesus, to help me do unbelievable things because I am tired of living a life just like the rest of the world. And the truth is, many of us, whether we want to admit it or not, we want Jesus, but we want to look just like everybody else. We want him to make us feel good. We don't want him to change us. And the reality is some of us try to do that, and yet we feel so unsatisfied. And we look up sometimes to God and say, what's the point? And I think if he could look down at us, he'd say, you haven't done it right. You've wanted to keep everything the same without changing the life. Now, let me read this last little bit. After... They thought that they were drunk because of everything that was going on. This won't be up on the screen, but you can take the notes. Let me read this to you. This, is, this happens. Peter goes uh, uh, and, and starts to have this amazing message that these people are, are seeing. He just says this. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured. God has made his son Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and asked Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord of, Lord of God will call. And he goes on, and here's what's crazy. Those people did it. They accepted it. It says those who accepted that message were baptized, and about 3,000 of them were added to that number that day. This unbelievable event only transpires because the disciples were faithful in waiting. They received the Spirit. 
And then they followed after what it told them to do. And the truth is, that same formula can happen for you today. We repent, we return, we turn around, we, we turn from our old ways, our old life, we trade in what was, what we thought was good for what is great. And then we'd be baptized. We'd be baptized. And, and baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. And we're going to be having a baptism coming up soon. If you want to know more about that, let me know. But we're baptized as this sort of line in the sand moment. And then we receive the Spirit. Now, hear me on this. You don't receive the Spirit when you get baptized. You receive the Spirit when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let me just be clear with that. But baptism is this beautiful moment for us as followers of Jesus put a line in the sand, and show the rest of the world that we believe in this unbelievably wonderful, loving God who is King of kings and Lord of lords. But we must begin to start seeking the Spirit. So here's a little bit of homework as the band comes back up and they're going to play one more song. Here's a little bit of homework for you this week. Number one, if you're like, man, this Spirit stuff is weird or I don't really know if I buy into it, here's what I'll ask you to maybe just do. Take five minutes and get in a quiet place this week, maybe even this afternoon. Not, not too quiet or warm. Maybe not today because you'll all fall asleep because Sundays were made for naps. But just pause and be quiet and just pray and just say, Lord, I, I, I don't even know if you're there. I don't know what this Holy Spirit thing is, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I want, this, I want your spirit in me. I want this unbelievable life. I, I want to experience something that is beyond this world because I have tried everything this world has, has and it has left me broke, it has left me empty, and it has left me, left me just, just at a loss. And I promise you, if you faithfully ask, the Lord will give it to you. And two, what I want you to do is start reading the book of Acts. Start reading the book of Acts and seeing the unbelievable things that God did through these just normal, everyday people, but with the help of the Holy Spirit. And maybe we too could begin to be praying how God may desire for us to experience a whole new life, a whole new beautiful experience, apart from our own wants, desires, apart from our own power, but something in which we live a lifestyle, we get out into our world where others will say, I don't know how that happens apart from something greater. And that's when we get the awesome opportunity like like Peter did to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Because God wants to do unbelievable things in your life. But it starts first with changing your heart. It starts first with placing the Spirit of God inside. I'm going to ask you to stand and and I'm going to pray. And we're going to sing just, just a short version of one last song. And as we sing, even if you're like, Aaron, I don't want to wait that long. I want to receive the Spirit now. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I want you to forgive my sins. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want the Holy Spirit. And He'll give it. And you'll know. And if you don't, find a friend and ask them to walk this journey with us, with you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. And God, I thank you for the Spirit. And God, just this beautiful gift that we have. God, this beautiful gift of this this person, this, this part of you, God, here on earth, God, who teaches us, who convicts us, who encourages us, and who is always with us. God, that gives us a peace that transcends all understanding. 
that gives us a joy that the world cannot steal, that gives us the opportunity to love others even when it seems impossible, even when there are enemies. God, I pray this morning, God, for your Holy Spirit to fill this place. God, I pray your Holy Spirit to just begin to dwell inside of our hearts. God, every inch of our heart. God, I pray that that, 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 that the fire of the Spirit, that the, the wind of the Spirit would begin to chip away at the dark places inside of us. God, the places that we don't want anyone else to know about. God, the places that continue to crop up when we think we're going to be able to run and we begin to stumble. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would begin to just chip away at all of that. God, fill us with your spirit because we just want to be your sons. We want to be your daughters sitting at your table and being sent out into this world. God, thank you for yourself. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray.
God, I pray that you would give us boldness as we live this, leave this place. God, to live and to speak in ways that point others to the goodness of Jesus Christ. And God, would you remind us that you are surely with us to the very end of the age. That the Spirit of God walks with us. That we are walking temples. That we are holy and set apart. God, as we leave into this place, into this world, God, give us direction. And God, as people see us, will they not see us for anything else other than his love? God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, have a great Sunday. We'll see you next next Sunday.